starting off with nothing makes it easy to risk it all, right? <laughs> I literally had nothing to risk. I was completely yeah. and totally broke. So I just kind of kept going all in. Would my approach be the same today as a father with a family? Um, it would be a little bit different, but that worked for me in my, in my 20s. And you know, today I just assess things slightly different. But when I first started, I was going to do a deal. Like I had to get into the game as fast as I could. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of the CarrotCast podcast. I'm your host, Brady Winder, and we're here to help you build businesses of freedom and impact by dialing in your online marketing. Um, it's SEO month at Carrot, so you can go to carrot.com slash SEO, check out all of our SEO content. We're doing something a little bit different today. Uh, I had a new friend reach out by the name of Ross Hamilton, uh, who recently had the opportunity to exit a company called Connected Investors. And so I want to dive into his journey and share his insight of what it's like to go from an investor to a big exit and some things about where the industry is headed. It's going to be a really fun, exciting conversation. I'm looking forward to it. But Ross, welcome to the podcast, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. You know, I've known about Carrot since, since it was an idea. And I just love what your team has done and uh, how much value you provide. You talked about SEO, so important. One of the biggest mistakes I made with connected investors was SEO. So, you know, figure that stuff out because it pays dividends uh, for years and years. But no, I'm really excited to be here. I've been a big fan. And uh, yeah, I have a lot of great stuff to share when it comes to building businesses, real estate. Um, you know, I've been in the trenches for a long time. And uh, yeah. yeah, I just want to share. That's awesome, man. Um, I want to dive into your your investor background here and kind of how you got into building connected investors and exiting. But but first, something really interesting is uh, you you briefly mentioned. Oh, by the way, I was into BMX. What's what's no. the BMX journey about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's cool because to look back and start to connecting dots, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that riding BMX would have helped me in investing and in business building. But it it really did. And I used to compete semi-professionally. Someone by the name of Dave Mira, if that name mm -hmm. rings a bell, he had a video game out. He moved to my town when I just started in um, riding BMX. There was like five kids in Wilmington, North Carolina that rode and Dave <laughs> Mira moved there. It was right before he was super popular. Um, I helped him build his skate park. I worked for him. Holy I got to ride with him every day. He gave me all his leftover BMX clothes. He was sponsored by Split and Slim Jim back then, <laughs> um, Fox 2, I believe. But what I learned from, from having that chance meeting was I got really, really good, really fast at BMX because I was riding with the best. And my mm. skill level was, it was fine. But the second he moved to town, I was learning tricks that I would have never thought I learned and wound up competing all around the United States, even had a BMX clothing company. So I learned just a lot about business um, through my association with, uh, with Dave Mira and the way that he went about uh, riding BMX. Interesting. Was he a pretty good businessman or just some of those skills just transferred over to what you were doing in real estate? Yeah, he was, he was good at business. But what BMX really taught me about business was my relationship with risk. Mm. Right. Because 
every time I pedal toward a jump, every time you're going to buy a house, there's always a little bit of risk there. So I learned how to manage risk and how usually it was way worse in my head than it actually was had I fallen. And through my falls, I learned, you know, I learned the most. So I learned how to deal with risk daily, how to manage that. And also, we translated very good into BMX. The people I was riding with, I would compete against when there were competitions. So just like in real estate, you're hanging out with real estate investors, but then when there's a deal, you're all competing against them. So I learned how to have good relationships with people that were my competitors. And it really helped um, helped move me along. It helped motivate me. It motivated me. You know, there's nothing better than a really smart competitor to get the best, you know, out of you. You know, yeah. your 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 nemesis. I look back now, and my nemesis is many of them throughout my life is what pulled the most the most out of me. So dare I say, look for them because they're going to give you sometimes bigger gifts than those nice people that want to help you along. Um, yeah. That's interesting. You know, talking about risk, I was watching, um, I actually rewatched the, um, uh, oh, we were just talking about it before we hit record. Oh, Travis Pastrana, his documentary, uh, 99 lives sharing that with my nine-year-old son and like how, and the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, how is he still alive now? But it's interesting because the way he talks about risk is kind of similar is that he's done so many things that could have, should have killed him. But he's he's really um, analytical in the way he approaches things and the way he uh, uh, evaluates risk. And for him, he's considering like how much what's the fun factor in this? Um, what's your kind of do you have any sort of like uh, oh, I'm blanking on the word. It, like what's your approach to risk look like in terms of like what are the factors? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question. And, you know, I I wrote a book. When I was 20 years old, real estate investing in your 20s. I'll I'll give it away if you guys want it. But yeah, um, what I did is when I found real estate, I just I don't know why it was weird. I just knew I was going to be successful. Maybe because the anyone can be a millionaire. I'm like, well, I'm anyone. I can be a millionaire in real estate, right? I'm like, I'm going to do this. You know, anything. How you do anything is how you do everything. So the way I went about BMX is I found the best, surrounded myself with them, figured out how to be part of their training routines, right? And what that did is it made the impossible possible. When I saw Dave Mira, I'll never forget this, and then I'll answer your question. He was sitting there, we had just finished building a big jump, and he's like, I'm going to do a backflip and touch my ceiling to the, (laughs) excuse me, touch my tire to the ceiling. And my head, I'm like, no way, you're going to hit the ceiling, it's going to stop your rotation, you're going to fall straight down. By the end of the day, the ceiling was filled with his, with his tire marks. <laughs> so then when I was trying to just do a bar spin, it's like, oh, it's easy, right? You jump, yeah. you throw your bars, you catch them, you land. Buying and selling real estate is easy. You buy for a low price, you sell for a high price. You can get all crazy about the math mm-hmm. or the, you know, whatever it is. But at the end of the day, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but when it came to risk, at a young age, uh, the title, the subtitle of my book was starting off with nothing makes it easy to risk it all, right? <laughs> I literally had nothing to risk. I was completely yeah. and totally broke. So I just kind of kept going all in. Would my approach be the same today as a father with a family? Um, it would be a little bit different. 
but that worked for me in my in my twenties. And you know, today I just assess things slightly different. But when I first started, I was gonna do a deal. Like I had to get into the game as fast as I could. Yeah, that makes sense. High risk young, and then the older you get, the more liabilities you have, you know, you, you, more things you care about around you, you're willing to lose, like your family and your house, you know, lower risk. Um, that's cool, man. I appreciate that perspective on on risk. Um, yeah, there's something there's something just like really beautiful and simple and therapeutic about like, um, bringing it all the way back to the basics. Like when you're skating and you're doing BMX and it's like, no, just do the thing. Just focus on this one thing, like buy low, sell high, spin the handlebars, you know, just oversimplifying it, you know, so you don't get caught up in all the minutia of it. Yeah. You know, and the, the best advice I kind of have with that, because that is like, seriously, everyone that's listening, this is you know, this is important. I've also, I transitioned into doing like Ironman triathlons and mm. stuff like that. And all I ever did when I was pushing myself the hardest was just get to the next telephone pole. You know, I would just see that telephone pole. I'd say, can I make it there? Yes. I wouldn't worry about the 8,512 other telephone poles. Yeah. I would just get to that. And I would just keep asking myself that question. So it's in real estate. Can you make an offer today on a house? Yes. Right. Can mm -hmm. I, can I do this one thing? So it's, you know, ignorance is bliss, right? When I was young, I didn't realize everything, all the inner workings of real estate. I spoiled it down to very, something very simple and got very good at one thing. And that's how I transitioned from BMX into real estate. I reached a point in my BMX career to where I was not going to be competing at a high level. I did, I did have an injury that put me out for about a year and a half. Mm. And it was a pivotal time. So I had to make that decision. So being completely broke, I went from flipping my bike to flipping houses, starting off wholesaling, because again, you know, didn't seem like much risk. Worked my way into subject twos and doing rent to owns, and then started um, doing traditional fix and flips, moved into land development, uh, small land development, and then um, even, even lending and doing a lot of partnering. So mm. What I wanted to get really good at was just sourcing potential opportunities. And then I would filter that out through my network of people, which is what led me to building yeah. connected investors. Because Brady yeah. and I learned the more people you're connected with, the, the more deals you can capitalize on. Like I would get a deal. I was in Wilmington, North Carolina, and I'd be knocking on a door. I did a lot of door knocking. If you've done door knocking, put it in the comments because you are a beast. That is how you learn. You want to get rapid fire learning? Go knock on 20 doors, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, and I asked this lady, she had a house that she needed to sell. She was in pre-foreclosure. She didn't want to sell it. I said, well, do you have any other property you want to sell? I always love to ask that question. And she, she had a property in another city. And I didn't know anything about that city. I had no connections out there. I didn't, I didn't know anything about it, but she was willing to sell for what I knew. She was selling it for a lot less than it was worth. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't naive to the challenges of managing something far away with very limited resources. Even we didn't have Google Maps or Google Street back then. Yeah. So I'm talking about limited resources, like you had to drive. Oh, for uh, sure. So yeah, so that was kind of a, a spark of an idea that had me start to invest in building connected investors, mm -hmm. which originally was essentially just a big buyer's list, right? Yeah. You can just go in there and just sort it by location and what people invested in. And then you had your people and you'd reach out to them and you can work deals from across the country. So that was, 
you know, the yeah. transition from, from BMX into real estate into, into tech. So it started as, it started as I need a personal network and really like I, I need a buyer's list for my real estate deals. It's going to help connect your investors started. Yeah. Okay. Back then we weren't in the market we're in now. So yeah. you actually needed to have, you find real estate investors. Right. Yeah, totally. Did you, um, you know, your progression of like starting with fix and flips and getting into land and multifamily is a lot different. It seems like it was a, a, a faster pace than I'd say a lot of the investors we speak to. Um, did you have a mentor or someone guiding you yes. along that whole journey? Yes. And thank it you was not Dave Mira too, was it? Yeah, no, I wish I wish. No, he, um, so again, how you do anything is how you do everything. So in real estate, I found the best people I possibly could. And I just started working with them. I just started showing up. I just started bringing them deals. I didn't go to someone and say, will you please mentor me? No one's going to say yes to that. Like that's like get a buy a lottery ticket, right? Yeah. But I was providing value to these high net worth, very successful real estate investors. I started bringing them deals and they were crappy deals. Don't get me wrong. But then they were like, you want to do something today? Go put up these signs for me. So I started putting up signs for them. Then I started going to the courthouse for them. Um, as an independent con, you know, I was doing this all on my own. I wasn't making any money, but I was learning how to do the bar spin or the bow. I was watching them go yeah. through the process to where I got out of my own head to where I'm like, this isn't that hard. But I just started providing value to a real estate investor that was, um, that was up and running. And a lot of people don't think they can provide value to other people, but I found ways and, you know, I can go into some of those ways you can provide value to people if, if you think that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about that, man. Yeah. So if you're ever, if you ever find someone who you really want to work with, you have a lot of questions, don't ask them general questions. There is no conversation I'm going to try to get out faster than when someone says, how do I get started in real estate? There's no conversation that I'm going to dive deeper in than if someone says, you know what? I talked to this seller the other day. And if they give me like a scenario, now I'm like going yeah. back and forth with the person. I'm like, oh, well, you could, you might be able to do a offer them seller financing full price, do a substitution of collateral. Like I can, I can start to game plan with these individuals. And then if they're like, great, thanks. Um, and then here's where the value comes, right? If they go do the thing, and they contact me and say, Ross, what you said was great. It worked. I got a deal. Now I feel like I'm getting something from that person as a, as a mentor. I'm helping them. I'm yeah. starting to like want to help them more. Or if they say, Ross, I tried that. That idea totally bombed. Uh, I'll be like, oh, hmm. You know, I might jump in a little more. So these, these mentors that I've had throughout my life, it's been you kind of slowly pull the bait in you know, one little small thing at a time and you do all you can to provide value, whether that's feedback. And then after you start talking to enough high net worth people, you can start making connections and you can become a connector because maybe you're not big enough to work with this land developer, but you met someone else and you can put those two people together. Um, and now they, you're building social capital with those people. So when you ask them for a favor, um, they're more likely to help you. Now, don't do, don't make the mistake that I see people do. I'm going to connect you with 
with Ross, if you guys do a deal, make sure to cut me in. Don't do that for the first one. Let them yeah. make some money um, first. Don't try to muck up the waters. Just be a giver. And you'll be surprised on how much more that you'll get if you're, if you're a giver. So I don't know if that, yeah. was, that was valuable, but those are some of the little tricks I used to, yeah. techniques I used to get some of the best mentors um, out there. Yeah, I I like that. I can appreciate that. Bring them, you know, specific questions. Bring someone a puzzle rather than something generic that you could, you could for you know you could Google. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you started investing. You started getting some deals under your belt. You kind of moved up the ranks of you know real estate investing. There, um, tell me about when the change started happening from uh, connect investors going from just a buyer's list to something that grew yeah. bigger than yourself. What's that like? Yeah. I mean, we grew to several million members. We had um, a lending platform on there. We had a deal finding platform. So we just kept solving problems. That's what Connected mm -hmm. Investors um, was doing. But back in 2006-ish, 2005 to 2007-ish, I launched Connected Investors. And I mean, tech was nothing back then. Um, yeah. I, again, I had no background in tech. Like at my house, my wife is the one that sets up the internet. Like it's baffling to people. They ask me these questions. I'm like, I, I don't know. Yeah, that was my MySpace heyday in that era. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'm good at building teams. You know, you yeah. want to do a lot of things. You look up to Elon Musk, Richard Brand. Like you look up to these people that have their hands in all these pots. Their core talent set is building teams, properly compensating and motivating people. And building a culture. That's why they're allowed, that's why they're able to have a lot of things going on at once. If those aren't your core talent sets. That's a blessing, by the way, because it's, it's hard to have all those things going, but you need to kind of really narrow in. So, what I was doing, because I liked, I had all these ideas, but I wanted to make sure everything I did had to do with real estate. Mm. That's it. I wanted to go, I wasn't, didn't want to be the jack of all trades. The only trade that I was interested in was real estate. Yeah. So I went really deep with real estate and we, um, a buddy of ours, maybe, maybe you, you remember my Tim Mai, Jack Bosch, the early, yeah, yeah, Jack, the early yeah. gurus, they were launching new products. And I said, um, I said, Tim, you should show everyone connected investors. You can have your own real estate community inside this platform. And he, he tied that into his launch. Jack tied it into his launch. It got all of a, a lot of people in the space, they understand how valuable connections were. There were no other way. There was no Facebook back then. So a lot of people used our platform as a way for their members to connect. And that's how we started to get users and grow. And then those people invited people in. Every step was a struggle, don't get me wrong. Um, but looking back, that's how we started to get growth and momentum through creative partnerships. So influencers before that was a before that was a word, what I've noticed as I've, after I sold my company, you know, for multi-generational wealth, and I've been sitting back and I've been watching what's going on, new business today, you build the audience first. It's just like with real estate, build your buyers list first. Like people are building their audience first and then mm. they're, they're putting products in. Or before it was the product, then build the audience. So it's, you know, the way that we taught real estate investing, the way I went about connected investors, I went to people with audiences and then I would, then I would build the product. Um, real estate's a little bit different because I mean, if you can, 
find a, a good real estate uh, piece of real estate right now, it's like printing cash. But businesses outside of real estate that are B to C, you know, when you're selling to consumers, kind of mm-hmm. have to have that audience first. It seems is uh, right. is the trend I'm seeing. Yeah, especially you know to build trust. Yeah. You know, you need to build some level of trust, build some level of community before like, here's another thing I have to offer. We're just constantly yeah. inundated with new products and services and websites. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was just having this thought the other day about when people that have huge followings pass away, like their kids are going to inherit their influence, right? Yeah. And that's going to become so valuable. Like, oh, your dad, your mom passed away and left you 50 million followers. Like, yeah. you know, it's- it's almost more of a competitive advantage than than money uh, in a lot of yeah. senses because it can be turned into money in so many different ways. Maybe you saw what I saw. I saw in, uh, maybe it was a post on Instagram or Facebook about, um, oh, I forget her name. One of the daughters of Mr. DeLorean was like trying to revamp and revitalize the DeLorean brand. And I thought, wow, that's crazy, you know, um, just going off that reputation. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like she's got a head start. She can get a following. She can get her name out. DeLorean's awesome. It was just too heavy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it, you know, turn yeah. into an electric car maybe. Um, yeah. So w- what was it like? Um, what's it like? Uh, kind of two questions in one, running connected investors and being focused on that more than the day-to-day of actually investing and then two, what is selling like? It, it really, what I'm getting at is like, is the grass greener? Because so many investors, yeah. they, they think that's what they want, but is it greener? Yeah. Well, you know, in my real estate business, you know, my mentor, the way he ran his business is how I wound up getting mine up and running. Like he would literally, I would bring into his office a package of information on multiple deals. His name was John and say, John, I found, I got this deal. I got this deal. I got this deal. And he would sit back and just say, buy this one, offer him less on this one, pass on that one. You know? mm. So to have a team that's, that's, that's doing all the farming for you and you can figure out which, which fruit you're interested in, I guess, um, that's how I had my real estate investing business set up. And as connected investors grew, more and more deals started coming to me just <laughs> because I was, right. you know, the the owner of connected investors and I was able to see what everyone was talking about and I could see the movers and shakers. I knew who to reach out to. Uh, so it was really nice for my real estate business. I made millions of dollars in real estate Hmm. because of connected investors. And then we, we introduced, you know, our pro package and that, that grew into a data platform because the first thing we launched was outside of having the network, we're like, okay, all of these buyers, they'd buy more properties if they had money. Money was a big problem for a while. Real estate investors have two problems, right? Where am I going to get the money? Where am I going to get the deal? And some people, it's like the chicken and the egg. What comes first, the money <laughs> yeah. or the deal? My mentor told me, Ross, if you got a good deal, money will never be an issue. And yeah. he was completely and totally right, which is why I focused on that, just find good deals. And then everything else works itself out. If you got a crappy deal, it's hard to get funding. Yeah. Um, so we launched privatelenders.com, still up now, but you can go there and um, you can have multiple private and hard money lenders compete to fund your, uh, your deal, which mm. never existed in the space before. And as a matter of fact, when I was training for the Ironman Triathlon, I met the CEO of LendingTree. Oh, no way. Who was, 
also training for the Ironman. And we became buddies. He was the Dave Mira of the space. I mean, yeah. don't look at their stock today, but they were, <laughs> they were way up there. They went from like $10 to like $400 a share. Sheesh. And he looked at how real estate investors were getting funding and he's like, man, that's very inefficient. And he was my mentor through the tactics that I shared with you uh, and helped me build out the lending tree for real estate. And we solved the, how do I get money problem at, you know, for the most part, like someone can start talking to a real person who can actually give them money. Yeah. Because um, online right now, listen, if, you, if you're online and people, lenders are reaching out to you on social, stay away from them. Yeah. They are, a real lender, just some lenders hire people to go spam people. Like it's just not, it's going to be a waste of your time. I've seen a lot of people get scammed on social networking sites from lenders. So that's anyway. unfortunate. Yeah. I spent so, a lot of time in that world. Did you uh, enjoy running that business more? Because I feel like a lot of people think like maybe they're burnout on investing. Maybe they've been doing it for a while or they like the idea of like something new and shiny. Like, oh, I love to run my own business. Maybe it'll be easier. Maybe I can make more money or both. Um, and then sometimes I get into it and realize like, oh, I actually, I miss kind of doing deals. I miss being creative. You know, I miss flipping. What was that the case for you or no? Well, real estate investing to me is a stepping stone to anything else that you love in life, right? Your real estate is what's going to take care of you when you're old. Like if you didn't get into real estate prior to the pop, um, you're so far behind, you might not even realize it. Just with the prices went up, interest rates went up, it's, it's tough. There are ways to catch up and there's creative ways right now. Mm -hmm. um, so real estate, like we talked about risk earlier. It is way riskier not to have real estate than it is to, to have real estate. Like, how do you get into real estate so young? Well, I wanted to retire. I just thought about retiring when I was 19 because I just wanted to ride my bike every day. Yeah. That's what I do now. <laughs> um, but again, it's, if I had started, I actually had a, uh, a few startups. One was in the music world. Hmm. Um, one was in higher education. Uh, and I've seen people that have done very well in real estate, try to get out of real estate and man, they just crash, they crash and burn. There are a mm. lot of people that can make it happen, but where your core network is, your core talent set is, mm. that's really where you need to, to stay. If you want to see success, kind of go deeper. So connected investors, yes, it was a business, but it was all about real estate. So as I got better at connected investors, I got better at real, they supported each other. It was related. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. They supported each other. And I, having a tech company was fun. It was, we got to make cool videos and it, it was an absolute blast. Um, you know, a company with like 30-ish people is a good sized company. Once you get, once you can't have everyone in the room for a meeting, <laughs> to me, that's like the inflection point to where you need mid-level management. Yep. And then that is a different skill set. And you need like different types of software and billing. It just, life starts to suck once oh, yeah, everyone can be in a room. I was uh, number 25 or 26 employee at Carrot. And then within a couple of years, we went to about 50 people. We doubled in size and we went exactly through that. We had a team retreat in a hotel on the Oregon coast where we could fit everybody in one large living room. A little bit yeah. of hallway too. But after that, it's like, man, everything kind of breaks at certain phases of the business. 
Yeah, I mean, Trevor's talent sets appear from the outside to be very good for for team for team building. He's very thoughtful. Yeah, and his customers probably feel that. Yeah. Um, so that's that's great if you have that if you have that talent set. But the the thought of having to move to accrual uh, accounting, you know, I didn't want to yeah. do it. I didn't want to yeah. move to Salesforce anyway. Yeah. So it's uh, you know, to answer the question, if you're in real estate, you're getting a little burnt out on it. Anything else in real estate's good. If not, you need a really good operator. Like you should always mm. be trying to take yourself out to where I still felt real estate because I still got to look at deals and say yes or no to things, but I didn't have to worry about the day-to-day um, as much. Um, but yeah, no, running Connected Investors was a lot of fun for a while. Uh, until, until, COVID, like until COVID, <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, it changed a lot and we sold, you know, six months into COVID. Yeah. Okay. So it was, it was perfect timing. Yeah. Were you planning on that? Were you planning on selling or toying around with the idea of selling before the pandemic? Always, if you have a business, you should always be planning on on selling. Um, even if you're never going to sell, you want to have all your T's crossed, I's dotted. Lending Tree tried to buy us and we just outgrew their offer. We were growing so fast, but they got my ducks in a row to where whenever I was ready to sell, it was, uh, you know, it was time. So yeah, no, the timing worked out absolutely perfect for me. I sold at the top of the market before real estate and tech kind of dropped. So yeah. I think if I looked back at the calendar and picked a date, I don't think I could have picked a better date. <laughs> to sell. It was right there. It was kind of like a swing that's like going up. It's like right before it's about to. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the space has probably another five years-ish. There'll be a lot of consolidation, a lot of people yeah. getting together, um, but a Wall Street coming, company coming in with an unlimited checkbook, I don't think that will happen again for another, you know, four or five years. Yeah. So tell me about this, you know, spending some time with, you know, all that time with connected investors and being in the industry for a while, you've seen the industry evolve. Um, what's some of the impact Wall Street's had on flipping and what, what are some of, the, some of the other industry changes you see coming? Yes, that's a good question. And I do believe um, that we're kind of at the end of an age of mm. the mom and pop real estate investor. Mm. Like Interesting. My kids will not be investing in real estate the same way. Wall Street wants their money in real estate and they're doing everything they can. Right now, the housing shortage, you know, they're buying a lot of real estate before it even hits the streets. Me, I right now, I'll buy 100, 200 properties now that never even make it to the average mom and pop real estate investor. It's just going to be more and more scraps as Wall Street figures out how to streamline different things. You know, they're working toward essentially every house becoming like a stock. That's kind of, mm-hmm. that's the next phase. You'll yeah. be able to sell bits and pieces of your house. Maybe it's in blockchain. Maybe it's not. Eventually it will be. Um, you'll be able to sell bits and pieces of your house and you'll buy real estate different. I mean, just going back, just in my time period, I used to go to the courthouse, open up drawers, pull out dusty files, SP number 272, I'd open it up. And that's how I would find my motivated sellers. Mm-hmm. And if it was a really good deal, sometimes I put SP 262 and SP, you know, 162. Like, you know, like used to be yeah. able to, used to be able to dig up deals. Now there's tech platforms and softwares with, you know, property streaming type softwares out there to where now everyone can find it. So it's making it tougher for people to dig. But, um, you know. Yeah. Wall Street is doing all they can to be able to move money faster and easier into real estate because real estate is real. 
You know, if you can buy a yeah. house for less than it costs to build it, that's like a different, like a real estate investor doesn't really think about yeah. that. But a Wall Street, a long-term thinker thinks of that. Yeah. You, is this just because the nature of the stock market right now and the cycle we're in where stocks aren't as valuable and not as stable? Yeah. I mean, you, you just built a house. Yeah. How expensive, expensive oh, yeah. that is, time consuming. And unpredictable, you know, both in time and money. Yeah. Yeah. So if they can buy houses for cheaper than then they can be built. You know, as far as what's going on in this in the stock market, I am definitely not the person to uh to, to comment on that. Um I stick to what I'm what I'm good at. But, you know, we're all listening to the music, just kind of waiting for it at yeah. some point. Um but it just keeps it just keeps staying up. And real estate real estate prices keep staying up as well because there's so much demand. Yeah. There's so much demand. You just have to watch the jobs. Once jobs start dropping, that's when we're going to start seeing um, one of the legs fall out of the fall out of the real estate chair, which is why mm. you know my recommendation is always it's always to buy real estate. Just make sure you're buying below market. I mean, right. I know it's easier said than done. Yeah. But if I can buy you know any stock at twenty percent below market, heck yeah, I'm going to buy it. You know. Right. So should you go out and buy your retail house right now at full full market value? <laughs> In the long term, maybe. You know, but yeah. if you're investment minded. You know, you want to find, you want to find a deal to to help you to help hedge you against, right. you know, the unforeseen. So many unforeseens right now, but real estate's real, which is why people are putting their money in it. Yeah, that's interesting. What do you think? And I'm just kind of wrap up, put a bow on on that part of the conversation. Um, could you elaborate on how you think it's going to be dis different for like the mom and pop investors? Like, like I guess yeah. what I'm asking is like, how can they pivot? You know, is this moving to kind of what we started to see with iBuyers more in that direction? Um, more big companies just trying to go for the motivated sellers or yeah. How, do you, how are you yeah, going to pivot? Yeah, no, yeah, ab yeah ab absolutely. I mean, some of the people that I was able to meet through first American, you know, now here I am, uh, you know, scrappy, Entrepreneur, I'm sitting down at a Fortune 100 company, one of the top 100 companies in the U.S., meeting all their high-level contacts, listening to what they're doing. They're all picking my brain on real estate, and they're wanting to do the same things that everyone's wanting to do. And but they're just they go about it different. They'll hire 150 people just to dial the phones all day, and just to they're gonna figure it out. They're sloppy right. They're sloppy right now. Some of them are getting better. You know, AI is definitely going to help them get better. Uh, and they're just, every market's going to have an, someone who's willing to pay a lot more than you, right? That's, yeah. that's the problem. It's you're not the best yeah. choice for the, the home seller. And we're, we're at a weird spot right now to where motivated sellers have equity. You know, yeah. I made, when I made all my money, no one had equity. Right. I had to build equity. You know, I had to do short sales. Yeah. I would short the second and reinstate the first. And I built yeah. all my equity in the second, in the second mortgage. That was how I was buying below, doing all subject twos. That strategy is, you know, subject twos are, are probably pretty good right now. I haven't done one in a long time, but yeah. to get an old interest rates, pretty, pretty valuable. But yeah, right. it's just, there's just going to be a, a mo the monster's never going to stop when it comes to Wall Street's appetite for real estate. They're going to go direct. With direct mail, with everything you've ever heard. Mm -hmm. And then they're also going to be launching companies that allow people to turn their houses into stocks and sell little bits and pieces of their future equity. I'm already seeing this 
there's a lot mm. of regulation right now, but they'll they'll figure out at some point the regulation will will drop and yeah. you'll be able to sell two percent of your house to your brother. I don't know yeah. whatever you want to do. You That's know? wild. That's so interesting. Yeah. It, it it makes me think like there couldn't be a better time to focus on um I, I hate the term building a brand because I feel like it's just really generic and kind of thrown about, but really building a brand on uh yourself, your values your unique selling propositions, why you're the local expert. Some of the things that a lot of agents, real estate agents are already really good at, but just being the go-to person, the expert in your area, I think is where investors could use to benefit spending some more time and energy on that. You know, Instead Absolutely. of trying to just be another We Buy Houses company, like niching down and, and specializing is probably the only way you're going to be able to compete. You yeah. Know? No, you're absolutely right. And you know, just for a visual analogy, it's kind of like, you know, real estate investors were like Ace Hardware. Now there's just Best Buys plopping everywhere. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, so then Ace is getting more, you know, niche, and they're they're figuring it out. It's just uh, there's going to be a lot of ways to invest in real estate, which is which is good. But right now, if you're in real estate now, you're fine. I'm just saying, yeah. like five plus years out, I mean, the the rate of change. Real estate is the last big piece of the economy that hasn't been completely revolutionized by technology. And that's made evident because we still have brokers. If, yeah. some, if there's a broker, it means something's broke, right? <laughs> if, information's yeah. not flowing right, so we need someone to translate uh, mm -hmm. for you. Real estate yeah. agents will be around for a long time, I think, for for residential, for home buyers, but the investment side will be the first to shed real estate investors. Excuse me, real estate agents, and they've been suffering some 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 issues in the news lately with their, <laughs> with their monopolies that they have yeah. out there you know yeah um yeah so mortgage brokers real estate brokers once they go away you know you save a few percent here and there so wall street's going to make that happen eventually it's changing fast we, t we talked to the gentleman uh greg schwartz uh founder yeah. co-founder of tomo um basically wow. online mortgage company and it's just yeah. like man this is it's really changing fast just the way you go about get a mortgage especially for my generation and younger who just just being honest with less patience things should be easier things should have to be as clunky and so yeah some of that disruptive change is coming down the pipeline for sure yeah real estate's challenging you know first american that bought us the title company they they like that title is annoying and hard <laughs> you know? oh yeah uh -huh. they don't want that to change and they're going to do all they can to to hold on to that but yeah. they're all they also understand they've been around for 100 and some odd years yeah. so you know That's everyone's wild. posture everyone's posturing right now to figure out what's what what's around the bend yeah how do we need to pivot um well we're about out of time man one thing i really wanted to make sure that we talked about was what's on for anyone listening that can't see it is what's on your shirt oh, saving go. homes here we go tell me about yes. this man i looked at the website and i was i was immediately interested in what this is tell me all about it yeah so you know i made my first million in real estate like i kind of alluded to just knocking on the doors of people that were about to lose their house to foreclosure mm -hmm. and then i would offer them you know a good deal or I'd help them in some way. But I mean, I'd walk into these houses, they'd, I would see what was going on. I'd see their, their children and just the impact. And here's the thing. We all know that real estate's the number one way to become a millionaire in the, in the US. But owning a home is the number one way out of poverty. A lot of people bought a house, they went to sleep, they woke up 10 years later, 
and they have they have equity they have something yeah. even if they never access that it can be passed on to the next generation it can be leveraged to send someone to school it can come in and help the parents with a reverse mortgage when they get older and they're sick i mean if you know me personally i mean i'm i'm going through this i have you know family that never got into real estate and i don't know how the heck they're going to survive right they don't yeah. have any little savings it costs a lot to retire now so i used to help people figure out how to make millions of dollars in real estate now i'm helping people figure out how to keep and or get a home so mm. what saving homes does is we specifically help single parents that are losing their house we come in we make sure they don't lose their house we make sure if they do have to sell they don't have to pay any fees they don't get taken advantage of there's a foreclosure wave that's happening behind the scenes right now. Like I said, like Wall Street's buying them up. Yeah. But we want to make sure to keep that home in that family's um in that family's name so their kids can benefit from it. Mm. And I got really excited when I figured out the model for it because it was almost like subject to investing. Mm. We we raise money from people, fully tax deductible, and then we give these individuals a 0% no payment loan to stop their foreclosure. So what that does is stops the foreclosure. Now they have our expertise helping them um, in any way we can. And then in the future, when they sell or refinance the house, the money comes back to saving homes so we can help someone else. It's like, mm, if you donate, we, full we, pull, we pull together donations and we create a life jacket and we let one person use it. And when they're done with it, we take that life jacket and we help someone else use it. You know, where I am right now in my life, I don't want to do anything that's not going to last way longer than me. Mm -hmm. You know, so I raised, you know, 10, 20, 30 million here. That money will just keep helping and helping and helping. So at first, we just want to help people save the houses they already have. Right? We've, we've donated homes to people, which yeah. was mind blowing. I donated, I gave away one of my houses and to a, to a single mother of four and yeah. just, uh, there's cool ways to donate houses too that are so beneficial from a tax perspective and such, such cool things to do. So, um, yeah, I mean, as an entrepreneur, I believe that, you know, if you make it out the other side <laughs> and you've taken care of your family and your extended family and your family five gener, like if you've made, made it out, you know, you should do all you can to help as many people, uh, get to the top as possible. I spent the first 40 years of my life, all about me and my family, the next 40 years, I'm trying to spread my influence, um, you know, across mm. across the uh, the charity world, right? It's yeah. it's so beige and boring um, <laughs> that um, you know, I'm coming in tech, real estate, bringing, you know, people like Than Merrill are part of saving homes. If you know, they yeah. put this house guy. So a lot of people are starting to get involved on just helping people uh, own houses, affordable housing, affordable rentals. That's how Wall Street's getting rich. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Affordable home ownership is how the 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 home owner gets gets rich. So, um, yeah, yeah, pumped about. I it. love that. I love that concept, man. Putting power to the people, yeah, and just empowering people, helping them save the homes. That's that's awesome. I love what you're doing. I appreciate that. Um, my last question. I got a hard stop in a few minutes. Um, but um, what's that done? Um, what is starting saving homes done for your heart? What's that been like? What's that emotional ride been like? When we donated our first house, I mean, the reward was 
was I'm doing all I can to make it not about me, right? Because mm-hmm. like I'm trying to help, but I couldn't help but just feel like an overwhelming sense of joy and pride and just honestly just being really proud of myself to be to a point and then to make a decision on where I want to put my energy and for and and putting our my energy here rather than rather than somewhere else. So there's a lot of uh, yeah, you just it just feels great to be able to to give at that high level and to be able to create a movement and a brand, which I'm spending a lot of time on the brand with Saving Homes. Um, you can check out the website, you know, um, reach out to us. You can donate your time. You can donate your money. You can donate your influence. Just share in the site. Um, official launch is 2024, but we've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars already. And we're mm-hmm. geared up to hopefully help some families around Christmas time. Um, and then into the, into the new year. So sign up, like awesome. just send us, send me a note, say, Hey, I was on the podcast. I want to watch what happens here because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Right. So I'm yeah. getting the most influential people in real estate and in tech and in charity together, forming like a mastermind on top of people that want to give people that are in the legacy stage of their life that want to give back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what we're doing. That's cool, man. I love that vision. Well, um, where can people get in touch with you? Um, right now, if you just go to savinghomes.org, savinghomes.org. Um, and you know what? As part of when I sold my company, I'm not allowed to sell real estate information anymore, but I can found a loophole. I can give it away. Yeah. Let's so do it. <laughs> I mentioned my book. I have multiple books that I've written in real estate from finding deals to real estate investing in your 20s to getting funding, to this is like the least professional thing, but the most valuable thing. It's about those like habits. This is how I like, this is how I map out, you know, who I want to be in three to five years. Mm. So I just put together just a whole package and I can just, I can put a link in the notes or however you want me to to give it to your people. I'd love to to yeah, share let's do it. We'll put a link in the show notes. Anyone listening or watching, if you're on YouTube or the podcast, uh, look in the description and we'll put a link there if you just shoot it to me afterwards and we'll get linked up. One more thing. If you're a real estate agent, saving homes can be your give back program. Mm. I just learned about that on another podcast. This way, every time you have a closing, a hundred bucks or one person, whatever you want to do can come into saving homes. I'm working on putting together a whole package for realtors. Um, and then as a realtor, if we need a realtor in the area, um, then we'll reach out to you. So it's a really beneficial way to, to work together. And sometimes we need investors to buy the houses because people just can't afford them. So just go to our website, send us a little contact. I haven't even built out the CRM yet. So it's going to be me answering you. Um, That's awesome. But yeah, just starting to rebuild the network with with people that care. That's awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, man. Thanks for sharing your story. Uh, just recap, everybody, stay focused. Know your um, know your network and know where your unique skills and values are. Don't be too distracted to go outside of that. Um, learn from Ross's journey. Stay focused on the simple things. Don't overcomplicate it. Um, Yeah. And be ready to pivot and niche down, build credibility, become the expert in your market. And that's how you can stand out and compete when things change and, uh, and do something impactful. You don't have to wait till the end of your career to give back and you can, you can give along the way and you can still do big things towards the, uh, later stages of it like Ross is doing. So, um, yeah, Ross, thank you for sharing super inspired by your story and keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you. All right. We'll see y'all.